Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fearlessly Authentic. I'm your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, and I'm so excited to have you join us today. This is the show where we educate, empower, entertain you, and inspire you to go live your most fearlessly authentic life. Because, in my humble opinion, if we're not living our most fearlessly authentic life, what the heck are we doing here? So, today's guest, I'm so excited about having Dr. Edward Jacobson on the show to explain how he helps women who are perimenopausal, menopausal, and postmenopausal like myself. I started working with Dr. Jacobson about three years ago. I wish that I knew him when I was in my 40s and I was having perimenopausal uh, symptoms. I think my life could have been a little bit better back then, but Regardless, I'm working with him now and feel better than ever. So I want to introduce him properly. Dr. Jacobson practices completely by telemedicine. In addition to Connecticut and New York, he is licensed in New Jersey, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Florida, and California. Dr. Jacobson is a board-certified gynecologist in private practice for over 30 years in Manhattan and Greenwich, Connecticut. He trained at the New York Hospital Cornell University Medical Center, where he remained an attending physician until moving his practice to Greenwich 30 years ago. Dr. Jacobson is BHRT accredited by WorldLinkMedical.com. He is a fellow of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, a member of the Bioidentical Hormone Society the International Hormone Society, the Bioidentical Hormone Initiative, the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, and the LDN Research Trust. He is an expert in the management of natural hormone supplementation for symptom relief and long-term preventative healthcare based upon optimal use of beneficial outcome studies. He is on the attending medical staff at Greenwich Hospital and Stanford Hospital in Connecticut. Dr. Jacobson has appeared in numerous television, radio shows, and podcasts, including with Suzanne Summers, who we recently lost, and has been interviewed by the New York Times, the London Times, and Fox News. It was so sad to lose Suzanne Summers, and this show was recorded before she passed, so we will not be talking about it in today's show, uh, but they work together, and... I am just so excited to share Dr. Jacobson's knowledge with you. And please, as I mentioned before, please share this with anybody who is going through menopause because they don't have to be miserable. It doesn't have to feel awful. And here we go. Welcome to the show, Dr. Jacobson. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Yeah, I'm so excited. It's taken a while. I want to introduce you to Dr. Jacobson, um, who has actually, you know, full disclosure, he's my doctor, and I have been trying to get him on the show for a while, but it's been a busy time for all of us. But 
This is Dr. Jacobson. He is Dr. Jacobson practiced completely by telemedicine. In addition to Connecticut and New York, he is licensed in New Jersey, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Florida, and California. Dr. Jacobson is a board certified gynecologist in private practice for over 30 years in Manhattan and Greenwich, Connecticut. He trained at the New York Hospital Cornell University Medical Center, where he remained an attending physician until moving his practice to Greenwich 30 years ago. Dr. Jacobson is BHRT accredited by worldlinkmedical.com. He is a fellow of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, a member of the Bioidentical Hormone Society, the International Hormone Society, the Bioidentical Hormone Initiative, the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, and the LDN Research Trust. He is an expert in the management of natural hormone supplementation for symptom relief and long-term preventative health care based upon optimal use of beneficial outcome studies. He is on the attending medical staff at Greenwich Hospital and Stanford Hospital in Connecticut. Dr. Jacobson has appeared in numerous television, radio shows, and podcasts, including with Suzanne Summers, and has been interviewed by the New York Times, the London Times, and Fox News. How does it feel to hear all that? <laughs> uh, is that me? <laughs> yeah, that's you. It's crazy, right? Yeah, it's crazy. It, it is. is. I know. Um, it's very impressive. And I know that um, helping women has been a passion of yours. So tell me, how did you get into women's health care in the first place? Well, that goes back a long ways. First of all, I became a blood certified gynecologist many, many years ago. And I think the real question is, how do we get into hormone replacement therapy and supplementation for women? So we're going to sort of fast forward going mm -hmm. pra a practice of OBGYN, delivering babies, surgeries, and so forth into uh, getting involved in, in uh, hormone, re uh, hormone uh, resuscitation, resuscitation, uh, rejuvenation. So the story is very interesting. I, all of the doctors, uh, I was practicing uh, minimally with providing women with hormone replacement, uh, simple replacement, and I was not terribly interested in it. It required a lot of talking to women. Uh, and it was not, it was basically drawn away uh, from my general practice. I happen to have a wonderful wife who said, you're being silly. Women are as a cohort are moving on to into perimenopause and menopause. Right. There's nobody out there taking care of women. Why don't you do it? And I reluctantly went along with her. She found actually a, a course 20 years ago uh, that took things to a, to a different level than what I was practicing. I found it very fascinating and interesting and eventually segued my entire practice, general practice, into hormone replacement therapy for women. And ultimately, uh, in the past year, went 100% telemedicine. So I owe a lot to my wife because she opened up that. my eyes and has indirectly helped hundreds and hundreds of women that I care for. Right. And I, so back when you, when your wife kind of urged you to get involved in hormone replacement therapy, you knew that there was a need for it based on the fact that 
you had your patients asking you questions, right? But but because you were such a busy doctor doing surgeries, delivering babies, you didn't have the time to care for them in the way that you probably wanted to. That, that's true. And I think that's true of a lot of gynecologists who have very, very busy practices. It takes time to sit down and talk to patients to find out what their problems are, what their needs are, and to work out a treatment plan for them. That's reasonable and not something that you can decide in 15-minute consultation. So uh, I think that's a good reason why many doctors don't do it. Uh, and also, many gynecologists, at least in my experience, are just not comfortable discussing this. And it gets especially sexually uh, se uh, sexual uh, components of the, uh, of, the, of the discussion. It can be very, very uncomfortable until you overcome that objection. Yeah, but I noticed even, you know, as a 62-year-old woman, seeing my gynecologist, mm -hmm. you know, once a year for my pap smear and everything else, that um, when asked, they don't, they, they didn't really want to get into it. And that really turned me off. And I understand they're busy. Mm -hmm. It's not their specific niche of business that they're practicing at there, which is how I found you through a friend, because I knew that when I turned 60, I I felt like maybe I had missed the train on supplementation of the hormones that I didn't have anymore. And, you know, as I talk to so many people on social media, it's not about feeling rejuvenated, and I love that word, vibrant, rejuvenated, doesn't mean that as a 62-year-old woman, I want to look as young as my daughters in their 30s. That's not the goal. The goal is to feel as good and look as good as I possibly can where I am right now. And when I spoke with you, uh, you you said to me, no, you still have enough time to do this, Jody. <laughs> and so that that leads me to the question is, when is the right time for a woman to speak to a doctor like you about hormone replacement therapy? I think probably the best time is when a woman transitions from having regular menstrual periods during her reproductive years until she enters the perimenopause also known as going through the changes or the climacteric. And that's basically, it's an ill-defined time span where women go from regular menstrual cycles until they become menopausal. And menopause is a clinical definition. It means going a whole year without a menstrual period. But my God, you don't have to wait a year to be treated. That's okay? what I thought. Right? So from my perspective, perimenopause can be, can be very traumatic. It can be called no man's land because women can go from making estrogen to not making it, having heavy bleeding, irregular bleeding, no bleeding at all, flushes flesh, and then all of a sudden feeling better. So it requires a certain degree of expertise to be able to guide somebody through that. Ironically, when a woman becomes menopausal and she is no longer making estrogen and or progesterone, it becomes easier to manage her symptoms than it is during the perimenopause. But the perimenopause is the time time to start. That's that is great. I wish I knew this. You know, sometimes I go back and I think, mm -hmm. what do I wish I knew then that I know now? And I wish that I did because I remember having perimenopause 
postmenopausal symptoms at 45. So I'd gotten divorced at 42, start feeling perimenopausal symptoms at 45. My life is crazy. Mm. You know, I'm a single mom. Um, I'm trying to sort of kind of have a relationship. And I think that there are a lot of women listening to the show right now that can relate. Most of our listeners are between 35 and 54. So Mm. um, they are listening really, really hard right now. And there are so many women who are divorced also. I'm sure they can relate to that and being single moms. So you just think you're kind of crazy, right? You think you're kind of crazy. It is no man's land because you don't, you feel good one day, you don't feel good another day. And I think it's so important that we talk about this. And I have, I'm just so grateful that I have you in my life and Mm -hmm. on the show right now talking about that that is the time where you feel like, okay, got my period this month, didn't get it. I feel a little bit moody. I'm not really, my libido feels like it's lacking, but then it's great. So maybe that's the time I need to see somebody. And that's what you're saying. That's that's like the key time, right? Exactly. But that's only one end of the spectrum. Right. It's open-ended on the other end of the spectrum. Don't think that Oh, I've been menopausal for three, four, five years. I've missed my opportunity. I have patients starting at 60, 70, 75 and beyond. Depending on what their needs are, there is no limitation as to when you can start hormone replacement therapy. And I have women in their 80s who look like they're in their 60s because of that. I love that. I really, really do. And I'm, again, so grateful that I found you Um because I did think when I met you at 60, that 10, that was 10 years postmenopausal, that I thought it was too late. And I know that we've been working on getting me to the optimal levels. And you talk about optimization is your key. Okay. So let's, Am it's, I kind of, it's, kind of, it's kind of confusing about what is hormone replacement therapy. Right. So let me sort of break this down a little bit. First of all, there are two different groups of hormone replacement therapy. There are synthetics and there are natural. And synthetics are what historically has been used. Like you may be familiar with the terms Premlin and Prempro. Uh, it's equine or horse-based estrogen, which is wonderful if you're a menopausal mare, but it doesn't really relate very well to, uh, to, to women because it is inflammatory. And the progesterone portion is also synthetic and has been shown to be associated with cardiovascular disease. So for that reason, there's been a major transition, I would hope on the part of the medical community to go from synthetics to natural. Now, natural is the same as bioidentical, may not be the best term in the world, but these are hormones that are derived primarily from plants, from yam, that are designed to be identical to your own hormones. So your body sees them as self, it is able to utilize them without inflammatory changes, uh, eliminate them from the body and get them the greatest benefit. So you have two major groups here. And I just don't deal with inflammatory uh, synthetic hormones for the reasons that I just said. So now we have a group of natural hormones that can be taken one of two ways. They can be taken topically, like a patch or a cream or a vaginal insert, or it can be taken orally. And there's most doctors would who will prescribe 
hormone replacement therapy for a woman who comes in, flushes, flashes, night sweat. She's very uncomfortable. Uh, we'll probably prescribe a patch of estrogen, bioidentical. It's commercially made bioidentical hormone and bioidentical progesterone. And within a matter of two to four weeks, that's going to be a, there's going to be a new woman. Right, her symptoms are going to go away. Her sleep deprivation is going to be gone. Her skin's going to be better. Libido will be back. Vaginal dryness over time will improve. Hair loss will be diminished. She'll feel wonderful. This is low dose estrogen. Doesn't require much monitoring. It's covered by insurance. Doctor doesn't have to do many blood tests, if any, at all. I have many patients like that, but that's not what I do. My concept is that of optimization. And optimization takes it a step higher, okay? We're, the attempt here is to bring your hormone levels back to where they were when you were 20 to 25 years of age. Can't bring you back to that to 20 years of age, but the levels can be brought back. Why would you want to do that? There's unbelievable number of studies, again, with bioidentical hormones at, at those levels that show not only will you feel better, look better, just as I described with the first group. However, from a protective standpoint, hormonally protective standpoint, you have gained so much more. That is, studies show that when women have identical, excuse me, uh, optimized levels of bioidentical estrogen, they can reduce their risk for fatal heart attack and stroke by 35 to 50%. That's an extraordinary number. There's not much out there that's going to do that for you. And it's been proven time and time again. You can reduce your risk for Alzheimer's disease by 50 to 80%, provided you start oral estrogen within the first two years of menopause. So Jody, I'm sorry, that window is somewhat closed to you, but we don't have any studies that show when you start at 60 years of age, but I can't imagine it not being helpful. Both of these groups will cease osteopenia and osteoporosis and oftentimes reverse it. So there are major, major benefits, cardiovascular benefits and neurological benefits taken by oral estrogen optimized. That's different. So clearly estrogen is like the hormone that we lose that does the most for us in so many ways. Is that correct? That seems like the fountain of youth. There is no real fountain of youth, but I will tell you, it does so many beneficial things I didn't even mention. For one thing that, and here's the total reversal, we see, it seems to protect against breast cancer, as does progesterone. If you go back two decades to the Women's Health Initiative, the WHI study, it implied just the opposite. And many women got very, very frightened by the results. Not true. Reduces the risk of colon cancer by 35%. Macular degeneration. All this is highly, highly beneficial. And it's unfortunate that so many people uh, do not get involved, uh, professionals like myself get involved with the care of women. And this is all, you're a doctor, this is all science-based. So these are, these are studies, these are randomized controlled studies, which prove cause and effect. That's extremely important. These are not 
observational studies which make a suggestion, they prove a good outcome. And unfortunately, most doctors are not aware, are not aware of this. You have to say there's a concept called association does not prove causation. And what does that mean? Mrs. Jones has been on estrogen replacement therapy for seven years and then develops breast cancer. Does that mean that the estrogen caused the breast cancer? No, it does not. It does not prove that it caused the breast cancer. All right. She got it just like one in seven women get breast cancer, except we know from randomized controlled trials that estrogen actually diminishes the incidence of breast cancer. So these are hard concepts for general public and a lot of my medical colleagues to overcome. There seems to be a fear, and I want to get into what, how each hormone helps a woman and what mm-hmm. we're depleted of. Sure. And that's why it's important to start early that as soon as you do start feeling the symptoms, uh, which are perimenopausal, that you should seek out help. But why do you think there is this fear or that women feel they need to suffer through, it could be a 15-year time span, right? From perimenopause to being postmenopausal. Why do women feel Mm -hmm. they have to struggle and they don't, and they're afraid to seek out help? I think a lot of it comes from the medical community. You know, when the Women's Health Initiative came out, just prior to that, most women were on Premarin and Prempro, synthetic uh, hormones. This, this study came out, and I can't tell you how many <clears throat> scores of patients said, get me off of these medications, I'm going to get breast cancer, I'm going to get dementia, heart attack, and so forth. The fear was there. All right. And I think that fear has persisted. It has persisted in the medical community too. I have doctors trying to take my patients off of natural hormone replacement therapy because they say it's not good for you. The FDA has a, a black box warning on all natural um, commercially made bioidentical estrogen that says use the lowest dose for the shortest period of time and no longer than five years. And this is based on no science, but it's there and it scares people. And what do you think happens after people are feeling well, five years or so, they're getting all the benefits that I just mentioned, or to some degree, whatever they're taking, and then all of a sudden they have to give it up. Medicare says, go off it, take an antidepressant and a vaginal estrogen cream, and that's all you really need. This is Medicare. And we get letters in the mail all the time as physicians recommending this to our patients. So how can you expect the general public to feel differently? It's, I, I'm asked all the time if I take hormones and I, I tell them what I'm taking, not specifically, but I tell them that I'm using bioidentical hormones. And um, I remember somebody said something to me about that she had cancer. So is, is it, good for every woman? Are there specific cases where BHRT wouldn't be the right thing for them? It's rare. As far as cancer is concerned, I have about a half a dozen patients, maybe a little more, who are breast cancer survivors, who are cancer-free five years, and they're on full hormone replacement therapy. 
If you've had ovarian cancer, uterine cancer, and you're cancer-free in one year, full hormone replacement therapy. You will not find an oncologist in this country who will agree with that. But people have a quality of life they have to maintain. And when you go on some of these medications and chemotherapeutic medications and uh, anti-estrogens, what you end up doing is increasing your risk of a cardiovascular event and heart disease. That has to be weighed against taking estrogen replacement. Suzanne Somers years ago had breast cancer, right? And she defied all her medical doctors by saying, I'm taking hormone replacement therapy and see where she is now. I know. I know. Thank thank goodness for her. She really brought that to the forefront like 20 years ago, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. She continues to do so. Yeah, she does. And I think she's in her 70s, late 70s or so on. So we talked about estrogen. Let's go into the other hormones because I think it's important for people, for women to understand how the hormones that are being depleted from your body through menopause um, can be supplemented and what are the the benefits of them. So the next one, progesterone. Sure. So women would take progesterone when they're taking estrogen because historically, Back in the 70s and 60s, when we were on high dosages of estrogen without progesterone for long periods of time and developed an increased incidence of uterine cancer. Consequently, progesterone is added on because progesterone suppresses any stimulation of growth of the lining of the uterus leading to cancer, which is caused by estrogen. But progesterone also controls any irregular bleeding, spotting, and staining. It helps you sleep. It is also protective against breast cancer, and it strengthens your bones and protects your heart. So progesterone is highly beneficial. Um, Women who've had a hysterectomy, many doctors will say, well, you don't have a uterus, so you don't need the progesterone. I differ. There's enough data out there to show that it's protective against breast cancer to take it and also helps you sleep. So something just came into my mind. I wanted to ask you about this. Um, Early menopause, if a woman is in her, what is considered early menopause? Well, the definition of menopause is a whole year without a menstrual period. So you have either peri or premenopause, and then you have menopause. So So if a young woman is getting spotty, periods right in her let's say late 20s early 30s would that be a sign to see somebody like you probably not i think your general gynecologist should be able to handle that or premenopause or early menopause is usually defined as 35 years of age okay uh, at that point so somebody who's in their 20s and early 30s may just have an ovulation issue or they may have polycystic ovarian problems uh, that can be evaluated by a general gynecologist. They don't necessarily need to see me. Okay. Thank you. Um, So from progesterone, let's go to testosterone, because I think Mm -hmm. a lot of women do not understand how testosterone is beneficial to them. And they think it's only something men take. Okay. So all women make testosterone. And unfortunately for most women, their production of testosterone diminishes in their late 20s. So that certainly can have a major impact on their sexuality, but sexuality is a very complex issue. A lot of it depends upon your health, how well you're sleeping, your stress level, your interpersonal relationships. So 
I don't mean to diminish the importance of blood levels of testosterone, but it does have an impact. But testosterone does many other things. One of which we know is that women lose eight to 10% of their muscle mass every decade from their 20s on out. So that translates out to decreased strength, decreased endurance. Many women in their 40s and 50s say, hey, you know, I'm going to the gym. I don't have I don't have the energy that I that I had. I'm feeling more fatigued. I can't do my spinning as much. Directly proportionate to muscle mass and supplementation with female appropriated levels of testosterone. Okay, we'll reverse that whole process, and that is probably the the most objective thing that I've seen in patients. They they may or may not talk about their sexuality. But they will talk about how well they feel going to the gym, working out, and so forth. But that's not even the most important aspect of testosterone from my perspective. Testosterone diminishes visceral fat. And that's the layer of fat on the inside of the abdomen, on the intestine. So you can actually lose a couple of pounds of weight there. And you can transfer percentage body fat to muscle mass. However, Visceral fat is a major source of inflammatory proteins. And the main theme here with getting older is inflammation. You want to diminish inflammation because inflammation is associated with heart disease, diabetes, cancer, inflammatory bowel disease, everything. You want to diminish inflammation. That's why testosterone is considered anti-inflammatory. And in men, it reduces uh, the gut. Uh, for women, it can reduce the gut too, but you feel better, look better, and it gives you a better quality of life. So testosterone, extraordinarily important. Ladies, don't be afraid to take testosterone, but you've got to know it, it, it has to be monitored. It has to, you need to go to the right person so they give you the correct amount for your body, right? Optimization doesn't mean taking a higher level and going your own way. Right. Okay? It's a lot different than when I initially said, just take a patch and a pill and, and feel better. It requires monitoring, blood testing to get to those levels and to maintain those levels. And you have to watch very carefully because you don't want to have side effects. That is a limiting factor. There's no cancer associated with this. It can be side effects. In fact, many doctors, and in many ways, myself included, treat people and keep keep their their levels, their blood levels, whatever it is, in the, in the right range. Mm-hmm. Every hormone has a range. It has the top of the range and bottom of the range and everything in the middle is called normal, mm-hmm. okay? I don't necessarily follow the range. I only follow two aspects of care. Number one, does the patient feel better? And does she have side effects? And if it means taking somebody outside the range without a problem, I do it. And patients feel the benefits. Let's talk about, we talked about estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. What are the side effects of of each? Can we go through that? Sure. So estrogen, all these hormones are called steroid hormones. They all avidly retain salt, and that's followed by water. And of course, if you get into the summer season, it's accentuated because of the heat and the humidity. So very common side effects with most of these, especially estrogen and progesterone, can be fluid retention, bloating, weight gain. You don't want to hear weight gain. I know, but it's water weight gain, which responds to a water pill or a diuretic, so it's controllable. Uh, 
Okay. Some women who are sensitive may have headaches, breast tenderness, and of course, irregular bleeding, spotting, and staining, um, which can be controlled by adjusting the ratio of estrogen to progesterone. So that's pretty much estrogen. Progesterone, also the same thing. Uh, some people feel a little groggy if they have too much progesterone. I mentioned it helps with sleep. Mm-hmm. So there are ways of adjusting dosaging and the way you take it can be very helpful. Testosterone, you will not grow a beard. I'll just start, start with that. <laughs> okay. Testi- okay. Testosterone, we, we monitor very closely and, and advance very, very slowly because we watch for things like irritability, anger, aggression, acne, hair growth, and hair loss sometimes where you don't want it. These things are not acceptable. And in some instances where somebody says, I feel wonderful on testosterone, but I'm breaking out, I have hair growth, there are ways of blocking the effects of testosterone on the skin. So you can have your cake and eat it too, pardon the expression. I wonder, this is me thinking out loud, I think there might be, you know, going back to why women don't jump on on this more and why they feel they have to suffer. Do you think it's old school thinking? Do you think it's because they saw their mom or maybe somebody older than them suffering? So they thought that's how they could do, that's what they're supposed to do, or they just don't know that there's help? No, I think, first of all, if there's a family history of breast cancer, that's mm. a stop. Okay. You know, they, they still associate estrogen replacement with breast cancer. Understandably so. Okay. Mm. Another gynecological cancers as well. They don't get positive feedback from their primary care doctors. They sometimes don't get feedback, positive feedback from their gynecologists. And what can you expect? Okay. Um, Fortunately, there's been a a resurgence in interest in menopause now. Oprah's been talking about it. Other celebrities have been talking about it. Uh, The New York Times Sunday Magazine, February 1st, had a major article about how women are being deprived of simple therapies to alleviate their symptoms. Right. And, uh, and other doc, uh, it's, I'm, I'm glad there's an awareness and hopefully this is going to continue and expand as time goes on. Well, I think we have, because of social media, we have a lot of celebrities who are aging and they're, hey. and, and, and they are um, g- having symptoms, perimenopausal <sighs> symptoms and menopausal symptoms. So they have a platform on which they can speak, myself included. And there aren't too many women my age talking about what it's like to go through menopause and still be there thriving. And it's very important that women do pay attention and realize that these things can help you. And you just need to find the right doctor who can tell you whether or not you are a candidate and, mm-hmm. and customization is key. That's what you do, right? Dr. Jacobson. That is, that is My way is not the only way. Mm-hmm. This is the way I've been trained. I've been working with this group for over 20 years, excuse me, but it's not the only way, but conceptually taking it beyond a topical treatment and a progesterone pill really makes a big difference. And there are other groups out there. A4M is out there. Uh, I can't think of any others at the moment that will uh, go along with this concept of optimizing hormone levels based upon randomized trials that have been published in the medical literature. Okay. So we went through those three hormones. 
Is it necessary to talk about the other ones? Oftentimes, we'll try to optimize thyroid hormone. Uh, thyroid hormone, most doctors will follow by by the numbers. They'll look at what's the proper range. And if it's in the range, that's fine, no matter what the symptoms are. And without getting into details, uh, this has been a controversial point for at least a half a century, as is the use of natural thyroid hormone versus synthetic thyroid or synthroid. Um, I belong to the latter group, and I find that many women and men will advance, will do so much better going outside the box, as long as they have no side effects. We always watch for side effects. They will feel better. And there's a lot of resistance to that in the general medical community. But thyroid is part of the picture. Also, DHEA is another androgen or male type hormone that contributes to testosterone, but is also a calming hormone to counterbalance the stressful effects of cortisol. Oftentimes that is significantly diminished as we get older and people will benefit from that. And then of course, we look into the nutritional aspects, uh, any vitamin deficiencies, any heavy metal toxicity vis-a-vis -vis, uh, mercury toxicity from too much sushi, that sort of thing. This is all part of the same picture and following patients. So when you sit down with a patient for the first time, uh, you go through their family history, you get all their, their information from them. And then from there, you do blood work? That is correct. It's fairly extensive history, not only the general history, but the history that it relates to what their needs are, what they're looking for, what they hope to achieve, because not everybody's the same. I have some people who just say, look, I'm not interested in anything else except not having osteoporosis because a family member of mine had it and they fell and they broke their bones and, and they died. And I don't want that to happen to me. And other people may have Alzheimer's disease and they're interested in that. And so you customize it. I mean, I will present it as what I feel is the ideal presentation, what they should be doing, and they'll do exactly what they want to do. You know, the um, outstanding um uh, picture I have in my mind is my mom went through menopause when she was in her thirties and she would see this was in the seventies and she was going to all kinds of doctors. I was a teenager and everybody told her she was crazy. They told her just what you said to see a psychiatrist to it's all in your head. Right. But I remember the hot flashes and I, I think back and I, I feel so badly that she had to go through that. And that's what I'm hoping that our conversation leads to having conversations with other people and seeking you out or seeking somebody yeah. that, that can help them because it's not, it's not an easy process. You and I are still going through my process. We're still right. working with everything. So I, when women start the process with you, do you tell them that patience, patience is important during this process? Absolutely. It, it, it takes forever. In fact, I usually say I'm, I'm, I'm the tortoise, not the hare. When it comes to this, it's going to take a long time. You have to have delayed gratification because it's not going to happen. Now, some people within two to three months feel a world of difference. Other women may take eight, 10 months if they persevere and they benefit from it. 
So the initial consultation is, as we talked about, then we get some extensive blood testing, and then we have a follow-up consultation going over all the laboratory work, going over each individual hormone, where the deficiency is, how do you address it? How do you avoid the side effects? How do you monitor it? And then a lot of this is made up by a compounding pharmacy. And how does that integrate into, into the process? Um, and so people got a pretty good idea of what's involved, what they want to do. And people, they may cherry pick. They may say, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not interested in that thyroid, but I'm very interested in everything else or vice or, you know, whatever else is going yeah, to I was gonna, be. I, and, I was and as far as I'm concerned, this is not all or none. I'm very happy if they go along with something and we can always revisit things later. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I do, I throw it out once in a while, maybe five or six months down the line, you want to take a look at whatever we were doing, testosterone again. No, I'm not interested. Or yeah, you know, my libido is down. My doctor recommended an antidepressant. I don't think that's the case. I said, I'm glad you rejected that. Let's see how something like testosterone can work out for you and so forth. Do you feel that a woman, let's just specifically, we're talking about women specifically, that a woman could reach her optimal levels if she's uh, not necessarily using all the hormones that she may be deficient in, but she's reaching, but she's reaching optimal levels in the other hormones, right? Absolutely. I have many people who are optimizing just estrogen and progesterone and they're happy about it. They have whatever their reasons are for not extending out. It's inconsequential to me. I'm just happy they're doing what they're doing and they're feeling the way they feel. So you mentioned weight gain before. (laughs) So a woman comes to you, she is going through menopause. She needs help, hot flashes, night sweats, weight gain, mood swings, the whole enchilada, right? I mean, (laughs) believe me, I know what it was all about. And do you... um, how does a healthy lifestyle come into play? Do you, how do you work that in? I know that's, do you have a, a very honest conversation about that? I have an, an honest conversation, but it's not a very big conversation because there's only so much I can do with the time and and what I do. Clearly I just don't say, you know, exercise and eat right. That's, that's very elementary. But people, it's kind of hard to change people who have not done that for most of their lives and to expect them to do that uh, at this point in time. Uh, I work with other people who help them with quality of life and uh, how they work uh, on that aspect of it. Unfortunately, and I tell people straight out that when a woman becomes menopausal, there's a weight gain of anywhere between 10 and 15 pounds that occurs, whether it's due to a change in metabolic rate, metabolism, whatever you want to call it, decreased uh, calorie burning. I don't know, but there's this 10 pound weight gain that becomes extraordinarily hard to to avoid. And then when I have to tell them, you're going to put on a couple more pounds of water weight gain, that does not really uh, it's really very well accepted, but at least they can control that and prove it to the patient uh, by taking a diuretic for a few days and see if they'll, they'll lose the weight. And the body equilibrates to that also over the course of uh, the transition into hormone therapy. The, that weight gain tends to diminish for the most part. But uh, I wish I had the answer 
to that 10, 15 pound weight gain. Otherwise, I have patients lined up for miles. But you I and I, you that. and I would be a great combination here. But I, I'm not trading clients anymore. You know, but I, but I used to see them. You know, because I, I have been doing this for 34 years, and it was always frustrating for me uh, because making that lifestyle change is very hard. And part of it yeah. is fear, just like coming to, you know, start using hormone supplementation. Right. People have this fear because people have preconceived notions of mm-hmm. what is this going to do to me? I'm going to be a different person. How am I going to feel? But the results are, as I spoke about at the beginning of the show, if we don't step into mm-hmm. our truth, if we don't, if we don't overcome the fear of what's there because we want to feel better. We want to live a fearlessly authentic life, then we need to make those changes in our life, you know, and it's, it is, it's a lot of fear, but it is, it is not, not all women, by the way, have that 10 or 15 pound weight gain. Some people have a very small weight gain. I've actually had some patients lose weight. Usually when they're, if they go on thyroid, but that's a very small number of people, Mm -hmm. you know, in the past women would say, I, I want to go to my diet, get me thyroid pills because I want to lose some weight. It's not really there. Right. So, uh, but in some instances it is, but for the most part, unfortunately there is that weight gain. Right. Can you explain the difference between oral versus creams? Sure. So there's a major difference in how the body metabolizes or utilizes hormones. When you take a cream or a topical, then it, it's absorbed by the body. It bypasses the liver on the first go around. And for many reasons, doctors have thought that it prevents blood clot formation and it is safer for you. And that's true when it comes to dealing with synthetics, because it can be an inflammatory component to that. But when it comes to bioidentical medications, excuse me, estrogen, you take it orally, it does not cause blood clot formation. It's absorbed through the intestinal tract, excuse me, and goes into the liver. And the liver makes certain components and certain chemicals that reduces plaque on your coronary arteries. And we actually can measure using radiologic studies uh, of before and after pictures of your coronary arteries, uh, showing this has been improvement with oral estrogen. The good cholesterol increases, the bad cholesterol decreases. So it improves your lipid profile. You do not get this benefit taking it topically, which is why the data clearly shows a significant reduction in fatal heart attack and stroke on oral estrogen only. Wow. All right. I wasn't- Excuse me. One other thing. Oral estrogen does not cause blood clot formation. Synthetics can initially, but oral does not. Bioidentical. So, uh, does, um, does that go for progesterone and testosterone as well? Orals versus- No, there's no, there's no clotting association with either of those. I don't- okay. The the cardiovascular benefits with testosterone uh, are that the reduction of visceral fat backs off your risk for diabetes and secondarily cardiovascular disease. So testosterone, very important in that regard as well. Okay. And let's talk about pellets. 
if you don't <clears throat> mind. What are the <clears throat> let's the difference between everything that we're talking about and pellets? Sure. Well, pellets usually refers to estrogen and or testosterone. So pellets are an extraordinarily wonderful convenience because the doctor places the pellet under the skin. It's a long-term dissolving pellet. So you get the benefits anywhere between two to four months before another pellet or a group of pellets have to be placed inside the skin. I don't agree with pellets for several reasons. First of all, when a pellet goes in, the level of the hormone goes into the stratosphere and then slowly comes down. So it's not physiologic. Whereas I'm attempting to be at the high end of the physiologic range, okay, by constantly having optimized hormones. So that's one thing. Secondly, pellets tend to, um, let me see how I can say this. Uh, Pellets have a problem. If all of a sudden you have a testosterone pellet placed inside the uh, your skin, and two weeks later you start breaking out like crazy, you start having hair growth in one month, there's nothing you can do about reducing the pellet. You can't take it out. Right. Right? Whereas a cream you could take out. And the other thing is I look at the pellet as a topical. So it's as if you put it on your skin. It doesn't go through the liver on the first pass, so you don't get the cardiovascular benefits. At least I'm not aware of it. If there's studies out there, I am not aware that it, it does give cardiovascular benefits. So many women are delighted being on pellets, but they're also delighted on being on patches and, and, and oral progesterone too, and nothing wrong with that. They're getting some benefits, but they're not getting optimal benefits. That's, that's what I've heard about with the pellets is that you start, you might feel great at the beginning and then either you have these other, these other side effects or you just mm -hmm. literally crash. You, you just, you have no energy at all. So when you talk about the cardiac cardio benefits, um, that comes from which hormone? Estrogen. Estrogen. And to some degree, testosterone as well. Okay. Okay. Primar primarily estrogen. So it's funny, just a side note here, when I would have women come to me in their 50s and they would say, well, I don't want to be muscular like you. And I mm -hmm. said, don't worry about it. You're, <laughs> you're, you're going through menopause like, or you're postmenopause or they're 60. And I'm like, don't worry about it. You mm -hmm. haven't been to the gym yet. You're not going to have the kind of muscle mass that I have. This comes from 40 years of working out and it's muscle memory, which side note, ladies, we should all be lifting weights, right? Dr. Jacobson. Right. Um, and uh, getting in your cardio, because that definitely will help as you approach menopause. You won't build up muscle mass by taking testosterone alone. You Thank must you. exercise with it. You must do strength building exercises with it for maximum benefit. I don't think women understand that. I think they think they hear the word testosterone, and they go, I'm going to look like a man. Like, no, no, no. Because they think of maybe steroids, they think of uh, anabolic steroids, which is mm. testosterone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, another thing that you mentioned early on was um, PCOS and um, pre-diabetic. Or, it, but, yeah, that's seen usually in. It's seen in younger women in uh, in their teens and to their twenties, but sometimes we see it in older women as well. 
And it is a chemical imbalance. Primarily, it's a, an insulin resistance, okay, okay, that results in irregular menstrual periods, uh, constant production of, of estrogen, testosterone. Uh, the typical classical picture is that of a, an overweight woman who has uh, menstrual periods three or four times a year, acne hair growth, infertility, and a 50% chance of diabetes in later life. But not everybody has to present that way. Okay. okay. And many, many women can have that some varying degree of that presentation. Uh, and many doctors will oftentimes treat that with birth control pills. Right, which can serve a dual purpose, obviously for contraception as well. Right. Nothing wrong with that. Um, oftentimes, People have to have a reduction in their male hormones, which is given by other medications. Uh, they don't ovulate on a regular basis, which predisposes them to uterine cancer. So we give them cyclic progesterone. And oftentimes thyroid is, has to be adjusted as well. So that can be treated many different ways. Um, and yes, I do take care of some patients like that. Yeah, you hear more and more women with PCOS. I don't know if it's just... I, you know, you hear about things mm -hmm. and for a little while, and then you, you don't hear about them at all. But, um, I, I, I know a few women, a handful mm -hmm. of women who suffer from that and there's yeah. weight gain. And I didn't know if hormone supplementation could help them in their symptoms. Yeah. There's, there are things oftentimes with the, uh, insulin resistance component, there's metformin, which has been classically used as something called decaroinositol or DCI, which can be very, very helpful. There are a lot of things out there. Plus, of course, getting into a lifestyle where you're eating properly, exercising, burning calories and so forth. It's certainly a treatable condition. So if somebody were to come to you, they sit down, take me through a quick process of what somebody would, would experience coming to see you. Well, they would start off by speaking with my office manager for about 10 or 15 minutes, okay? Because a lot of people may or may not want what I have to offer, uh, the time that's involved and so forth. So she pretty much screens. Then they would have a two-part consultation, right? The first part is they would, they would fill out some forms. I get a little bit of background information, but I would do a Zoom consultation. And most of the discussion will be, you know, what, what brings you to me? What's the problem? And then I go into things that are all related primarily to sleep disorder, libido, uh, what their appetite is, what are they eating? What is their exercise? Uh, their interpersonal relationships, so forth. And then the regular history. Then I get some comprehensive blood testing. Once that is back, we set up for a second Zoom consultation. At that time, we go over all the information we discussed the first time, go over every laboratory test and explain it in, not in medicalese, but in the vernacular so people know what's going on. Because they'll know what a CBC is, but they won't know what a CTX is and what it means. So, so right. which is the things they won't even get from a regular doctor. Mm -hmm. Okay, but. We'll go over all that so it's understood. Then I'll go over every single hormone deficiency that she has. And at the time, I'll talk about not only the deficiency, how do you take the hormone? How do we do it gradually? How do you avoid side effects? What optimization means? And by the way, we don't always get to that ideal level. You know, some people are just limited by their side effects or what's happening. So 
the this optimal level that we're looking at, and there's specific numbers, um, are just a guide. Mm-hmm. It's a guide. It's how people feel. Okay, and then at the end, if, if they decide to go forward, just ask, let them know how uh, how this is monitored. How do we follow this up with blood testing and so forth? As I mentioned earlier, role for compounding pharmacy. At that point, people have a lot of information. Some people are saying, let's go forward. Some people will say, thank you for your time. This is not for me. Other people say, I want to think about it, or I'm interested in A and B, but not C, D, and E. And I'd say, fine, whatever you want to do is perfectly fine. I'm here to give you the information. You're here to decide upon what you want to do. Why do you love what you do? Because I see what it does. I see when people tell me they've come in and they've had treatment elsewhere, and they just don't feel great. And in two to four months, they feel like a different person, whether it's estrogen, thyroid, testosterone, what have you. It's it's wonderful. And some people are challenging. Some people, it's not that easy to get it to do that. But it is extraordinarily satisfying mm-hmm. to be able to help people out where I guess not many people are doing the same thing that I'm doing. I wish there were more. I wish there were more too. And I, for one, am very grateful that I found you. And thank you so much for all of this incredible information that you've shared with us today. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Uh, I have a website. It's called GreenwichHormones.com. That's the easiest way. Uh, Office number is 203-869-8353. And um, we'll be happy to speak with you, or they can they can just uh, go to the website. I think there's there's an email address they can write the email address. Um, it would be info at edwardjacobsonmd.com and make an inquiry that way, and we'll respond to you. Well, I just want to thank you so much for your time here, for you helping me. And for everybody listening, I just, you know, Dr. Jacobson has been treating me for two years. He has been incredibly patient with me mm-hmm. and I will work with him forever and ever. And until we reach those optimal goals mm-hmm. and those optimal mm-hmm. levels. And if you are suffering um, through menopause, have perimenopausal symptoms, if you are not feeling your best, please reach out to Dr. Jacobson. Thank he you. is uh, what we call a mensch and an incredibly <laughs> intelligent doctor. So Dr. Edward Jacobson, thank you so much for being on Fearlessly Authentic today. My pleasure, Jody, and thank you for having me here and giving me an opportunity to express a, a perspective that people don't hear about very often. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And until next week, stay fearlessly authentic and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Thanks so much, everybody. I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Old Show with Jody Harrison-Bauer and her daughter, Lexi. We hope today's episode has helped you understand that being old is just another chapter to live through. Another chapter worth embracing because each day we get older, and that is a privilege. Until next time, have a beautiful week. Please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Check us out on all social media platforms at Jody Harrison Bauer and at The Old Podcast.